Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. College football season is in full swing, and the last of the major pro sports leagues are off and rolling. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. College basketball is ready to go. The NFL, college football, and the NHL are all in play right now. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the basketball betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA before it runs out for the season. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. You're tuned in to State of State. I am Joe DeLeon sitting in for Tom Hannafin today, the host of the Rufino and Joe Show. And joining me, of course, as always, Justin King, former NFL and Penn State defensive back. Justin, it's a big game this weekend. Michigan, Penn State, real redemption opportunity. It's at home for Penn State, which is huge. It's not a whiteout game at night, but still huge, huge game. Are you excited for this one? This is going to be really important for the rest of the season for Penn State. This is an exciting one, man. I got I was going to two games this season. I went to West Virginia game and I'm heading up to see the Maize and Blue come down the Happy Valley um this Saturday. So yeah, I mean it's a big game. But I think it was the Penn State fans should feel good, especially coming off the win against Maryland and the type of win that it was, where it was high execution, efficient offensive play, um, dominating defensive performance. I mean, going against a going against a team like Michigan. Um, hopefully these guys have a chance and they want to redeem themselves from kind of what happened at Ohio State when it was on the national spotlight. So I'm excited about this weekend. I think we match up well with Michigan. Yeah, I think a lot of people were really quick to judge Penn State after the Indiana game. And I, I think those that maybe haven't played the game and played at the college level don't really understand how much of an emotional dump it is to to throw all of that energy into a game like Ohio State and then to turn around, play a lower level team in the conference, you're not going to play your best game. You're not going to play as good. And it's to your point, it's really nice to have that Maryland game in between the Michigan game, regain some footing, regain some momentum. You're catching a Maryland team that's been struggling a little bit. So 
that momentum is going to be really important for what you bring to the table against a potentially distracted Michigan team. No, so, I completely agree. I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, springing up specifically on that that you know that distraction. We we know that there is this scandal going on with Michigan. We know everything that has been happening with the science science stealing situation, Connor Stallions. Not to recount those events, but I want to ask you, Justin, from like your perspective, do do you think that this could be an advantage for Penn State, knowing that this scandal is going on? It could be a distraction for Michigan. I think I think this scandal is interesting because it's a scandal where they're being accused of going above and beyond to try to win. And when that happens, with like the cult-like atmosphere that happens in football, you typically get this the coach speak where it's like it's us against the world. It's nobody opinion matters outside of the opinions in this building. And when you have a situation that's going on at Michigan. I don't know if it's a distraction or more of a motivation in them coming together because I, I, from what I'm talking to Michigan alumni or different people that went there, like they just feel like everyone's out to get them and to an extent of them having a great season and someone trying to tear them down. So I think the reverse psychology in that is, is, isn't necessarily a distraction, but it's also, it's almost like a chip on the shoulder in a positive manner. Even when uh, Harbaugh got suspended the first four games, they came out and then like put their four fingers up to say like we're standing on this and that's been consistent with how Michigan has built their program, how Jim Harbaugh has had been leading that program, and there's something to standing on the table or willing to die like not say die for something, but like down that hill, like the way that they've operated. Where I don't think that this whole Connor Stallions thing is going to have uh, adverse effect of them coming in. I actually think they're going to come in with a little bit more bully mentality like oh you guys are against us too like let's try to take it on you i think that's just the mentality in which they're operating and and i think that's what we're going to come with so with that being said penn state needs to be ready to play i don't think they're going to get uh an unfocused michigan team like they're going to get a michigan team who feels like their backs are against the wall and they have talent and they've shown and have the confidence in winning so with that being the case I wouldn't even like entertain the thought of them coming off a little bit unfocused before they come to state college. Right. That's a really good point. It it is almost a a galvanizing point for them that they can use this to motivate them. And we have evidence that they've already done that. They did that at the beginning of the year and it was against the nobody stretch of their, their schedule and they weren't playing anybody. But when Harbaugh was originally suspended and when the whole recruiting violations came into play, you have JJ McCarthy strutting out there with a free Harbaugh, going on you got all these guys that are doing whatever they can to to rally around their coach not being on the sideline it it reminds me a lot of good football teams find ways to motivate themselves and it reminds me a lot of what Georgia does over the past few years of their recent success and you hear Kirby talk about how people are discrediting this year's team and saying it's not as good as the ones in the past him using that as a motivator for his guys in practice leading up to games before games has made them an aggressive group and a motivated group that is finding ways to win, even when maybe games are close like they did against Missouri. So that's a really good point. You know, Penn State can't can't overlook something like that and just assume that their opponent is been using an unfair advantage. They're still a really good football team. They've got a lot of five-star recruits. They're very, very well-rounded and they can't look past that. Beyond it being very well-rounded and having a lot of top recruits, I think they were very intentional on how they built their roster, whether they go into the transfer portal and they go 
straight for the offensive defensive line we're just getting more mature players using extra scholarships to make sure that they have bigger guys they collect big guys and even a point that you said where like they gloated and had the free hardball shirt at the beginning of the season um but even that mentality is different right and mm. like we talk about coaches using the media to speak to their team and like show their stances on things another hot button topic that's been happening this whole off season where Jim Harbaugh has been standing alone is the NIL talk. Everybody's been talking about NIL, whether it's raising money, um, send money to our collective. Uh, we need to support our school. Jim Harbaugh is the only coach that said, we, this, that's, that's bull crap. You need to pay our players. Like if you don't think that that resonates with the players for like someone that's like, like standing to the man for them, like that's how that Michigan team views Jim Harbaugh. So when someone's coming after their leader, it, amps it up a little bit because like not only is it about play like he's been on their side about money and revenue sharing or revenue splitting between the contracts and probably one of the only coaches that have done that so i i think that whole scenario that's going on at michigan is very interesting and just for me as a player standpoint like those are different type of things that will make me you know draw my feet into the ground and get ready to go because if someone's going to have my back, I got to have theirs. And I think that's what we're going to see with this Michigan team coming in. They already play a physical brand of football. Um, Penn State's coming in with a top-tier defense, top quarterback, and just moving into it. I, I mean, it's going to be an exciting game, especially for a big big noon kickoff. Now, what's really unique about this matchup, I, I can't remember the last time that we've had a team that's this hyped up in Michigan that hasn't been tested this far into the season. We're, we're at week 11, and we have not seen them play anybody within striking distance of the top 25. I mean, the closest team that we can think of is Rutgers, and Rutgers is a good football program. It's it's one that's improving, and their defense looks good, and, and Kyle Manungai is a very you know, fun running back to watch, but they're not a top 25 team right now. They're they're not in that that conversation. So for, for Michigan's sake, it, or for Penn State's sake of preparing for Michigan, it's a little odd to try and pinpoint what hasn't been working for them. Now, I think that one of their bigger weaknesses is J.J. McCarthy, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But if we're looking at this team from like a general overview, how do you approach a team like this that you haven't really seen them struggle because their whole schedule has been pretty pretty soft? Uh, not to get down to the basics, but you got to punch the bully in the mouth. Like to be completely honest, coming out and establish like your physicality and not try to get too cute, running side, uh, running horizontally, sideways, like sidelines, running counters, different things of that nature, but running right at them and show that hey, we're here to play this type of football. And then the way that Penn State operates on offense, I think last week we saw an ex exemplary uh, balanced offense that they want to portray. I think when you come out and you establish the run and come out with a balanced offense, it's hard to defend. But I think the setting setting the tone and taking the physicality of the game to a, a bully team like Michigan is the number one thing. Just to clarify, like, look, we're here. We're here for all of the uh, the physicality and we're here for all the smoke. So that's how I would come out approaching. I mean, Katron had 6.5 yards of carry last week, continue to pick that up, get um, Nick Singleton into the mix, get him out of the backfield and running the ball efficiently. That would be my approach. And then got Drew Aller do his thing, throwing between the hashes and really spreading out and uh, taking advantage of the perimeter play. I think you bring up a really good point here. There was seemingly when they played against Ohio State, and that's going to be the most comparative matchup that we can draw with an opponent that Penn State has played very similarly structured team, good defensive line, 
really good front seven, and they took it to Penn State. And part of that game was it was close, but for some reason, I'm sure that you and Tom dove in on this. For some reason, there was a a shift away from the identity, a shift away from that offensive balance, and relying on two very talented running backs, two of the best or one of the best running back tandems in the Big Ten in the country with K. Tryon Allen and Nick Singleton. You have Drew Allar who's throwing it in that 40 passing attempt range, which it just didn't work. I think that you bring up a really good point here that you can't end up in that situation. Even if you're down by a score or more, you can't start pressuring your offense to throw the ball as much as it does. Because frankly, and one of my biggest, as just an outsider looking in, one of my biggest concerns with Penn State has been that lack of receiver talent. It's just not the biggest strength. The biggest strength is... Olufashanu, your offensive line, um, your interior offensive line is pretty strong, and running the football. They they seemingly have to focus on that. And again, set the tone early. You're not going to get those big shots because you haven't done it successfully for for most of this year. No, yeah, and they played aggressive on the back end at Michigan. They got a top tier uh, DB and the Johnson corner, and mm. and when you play teams like that, you have to loosen them up and threaten. They're skill guys at the end of the day. I mean, they they go into games and take them over from a physical standpoint, and they kind of just beat you down and then kind of explode off in the third quarter. If we can keep them in a one-dimensional type of offense and put the game on um, J.J. McCarthy's back, whether we're stopping the run with Blake Corum and making sure we really hold tight up front and really attack their defensive line on from the offensive side, I think once that happens, it becomes a different level of game of how Penn State – operates the skill level that Penn State has because I think they actually I think Penn State actually has I was slide with them a little bit on the perimeter talent when we talk about this game but to, in order for that to really show you have to take care of things up front like we're saying we're just like the bully ball making sure that guys are getting four or five yards a clip and making sure that they're not getting four or five yards a clip because like that's can get, can get really ugly is if we don't take care of the run game on defense and them having a full playbook where they can run and pass. And that just makes it a long day for any defense. We all know that Jarrallar, his performance is, is really important for Penn State's success when you're playing against good teams. And that's, that's a big separator for any team in the country is good quarterback play. We know that Alar has the talent to be a top player in the country, but he's, he's still learning on the job. He's still very, very young. And from your perspective, like what do you want to see from Alar in this game, I, I again don't think he needs to go off. I don't think he needs to throw for 400 yards or go anywhere near that. But what do you feel Alar needs to do in this game to help them win? Everything he did last week. <laughs> Everything <laughs> he did last week. Playing free, having fun, making plays. Now he's a special talent. So like when you're when you're in the game and you're playing free, like that's why I like I sent me a comment last week. I prefer more game theory over like just stats and analytics because you get into the mental makeup of the decision makers. Why are they calling the plays based on what the schematics are telling you? Like sometimes, yeah, you run to an overload side because you just think your guys are better than that overloaded side besides the numbers. Or even as you're a player, like just dealing with how their rhythmic game is flowing. So when you think about like the game theory or just where he's at, I mean, I would think that Mike Yurisich will look at what he produced last week to try to recreate that this week, and it starts off establishing a run. I mean, football is pretty formulaic when it comes to that point. But the way he was distributing the ball last week, with the tight ends being involved, making sure we're hitting deep chunk passes in the middle of the field, really stretching those um, 
those endangered zones on defense where like it's harder throws to get to, but I mean, risk reward. And he has the ability to do that. And so I think if we continue to attack that and not really just have a check down type of day where it's like, Hey, is something open deep? Let me get the ball out. But he also has to have time to do that. So like, I mean, a lot of this comes down to the guys up front, but once the guys up front take care of their business, I think the skill positions can really get out there. But Drew specifically really delivering the ball through all the endangered zone areas on the field where he can stretch the field and make chunk plays because he has that type of arm talent and ability to make those uh, type of plays. Yeah, I think that against Ohio State, just something seemed off. You know, he he did seem like he was pressing a little bit too much. And that's a really good point that sometimes we, we try to overanalyze these performances. But the last week we saw a guy that was, again, he was having fun. He felt a little bit more free. Um, he was really playing to his potential because he wasn't, he wasn't stra- straining as much as he did against Ohio State. And again, that's going to be very, very important going up against this very aggressive uh, defensive front for Michigan. Now, Chop Robinson's availability, he went out in the Ohio State game. There is a possibility that he comes back from last I checked. I read an article yesterday. James Franklin is hoping that he can be back for the game. That speculation is always difficult because we're not in the training room. But for Chop Robinson, I'm a really big fan of his. Anyone unfamiliar with my work, I do a lot of NFL draft content on my Twitter, post a lot of clips of these athletes, and he is really explosive. Not a big edge rusher, but really, really explosive. And he plays off of the strengths of the entirety of that front seven because he's so quick. He's got really good burst in and out of his uh, in and out of his stance. His availability, how important do you think that is for this this Penn State defense? I mean, pass rushers create. I mean, sacks, turnovers, all the different things. So, like having a weapon like him, we talk about a top two round draft pick. It's incredibly important. I mean, if you stop the run, you have to get after the quarterback. There's still a problem if you stop the run and you can't get to the quarterback. So I wouldn't want J.J. McCarthy to just sit back there and be able to run around, pick his poison, and give receivers a chance to find the open void. Like They're dealing with athletes as well. So with that being the case, I think it's extremely important <laughs> to like take care of that. Right. Having him back is going to be big. But it does help that Penn State's front is still filled with tons of great players, very similarly uh, to what Michigan brings to the table. Now, we've, we've, we've talked a little bit about how this, this defense is, is structured for Michigan. And I, I spent some time yesterday watching a little bit of film of this, this front. And Mason Graham, number 55, is a really aggressive player. And they're two edge rushers that they rotate in, Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore. I don't see a lot of teams in the country that are not only this this talented, but they're violent. You know, they come off the snap, they're aggressive, they will come at you a million miles per hour. And I think that this game is definitely going to be one on which defense bends first. You know, which defense gives up a big play here or there, and, th- and that happened last year. You know, it ends up happening multiple times for Michigan, where Donovan Edwards explodes for big games, and that is what opens the game up for them to eventually take over. But We've kind of talked about this a little bit, but to dive a little bit deeper, how do you approach a physically gifted defensive front like this? It's not like they're just a statistically sound defense that's in the top categories. They've got all these guys that are former five stars, former four stars. How do you attack a group like this that is just going full speed at opposing offensive lines and disrupting the heck out of uh, passing games, rushing games, every single offense that they faced? Run at them first and then screen them. That doesn't work. 
max protect and tell your receivers to get open. I mean, I go back to the fundamentals of football. And you pointed out a great point, even back to the Chop Robinson aspect, is I think the depth that he provides is going to be critical in this game. Having fresh guys that are rushing all the way throughout the fourth quarter because it's going to be a physical a physical game. And when you're talking about these guys up front for Michigan, always bringing it uh, every pass rush and just playing extremely violent, it's imperative to take – the aggressiveness away from them from a level of screenplay and mate and aggressiveness with aggressiveness and like punch them in the mouth. Sometimes you ISO and go right at them. Sometimes we see it. I mean, shout out to Micah in the NFL, but there's some teams that had success when they ran right at them. But like anything else that you do, man, he's like the Terminator on the field. Like he, anything that you can do is athleticism comes out. And I think that's what we have to do with Michigan, whether it's isolating different ends, running at different linemen, whether it's trap blocks, putting two guys, two guys on one, on one body and making that, Again, like taking the fight to the bully. And from mm-hmm. that standpoint, then once you have them off off kilter, then you can do whatever you want to do with them. A little bit of counters, a little bit of uh, slip screens from your tight end, like making sure that the discipline aspect that they play with starts to get flimsy. And to the other side of Penn State, I think it's going to be imperative to make turnovers, create turnovers, right? Because on, on defense, I think this is going to be a game where special teams and defense is going to be the uh, the deciding factor. Uh, all position or field position, taking care of the field goals, making sure that there aren't any missed extra points, making sure uh, punts are fielded the right way, and try to make a play on defense, try to steal one, block field goal, return a kick, make an interception, force fumble. Those are going to be critical in games like this, especially with a physical offense, physical defense without an explosive offense, which means they're going to lean more into their physical offense to make sure that they keep the Penn State team off of the field. Even though the fall can feel jam-packed, HelloFresh makes whipping up a home-cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it really is a no-brainer. Some of my personal favorites, the pub-style shepherd's pie is delicious, and the fully loaded pork taquitos, two of my favorite dishes. And Justin, on top of that, they're healthy, they're fresh, and they save me time and money. Talk about convenience, something that tastes good and saving money. I mean, it's essential in my life where I'm just running around, whether it's podcast, talent management, dealing with my daughter in tennis and moving around and having a healthy, convenient meal that saves money on the grocery bill and just the food budget is amazing. It's a plus one in my book. You hit the nail on the head. We all know HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime, but did you know it can also save you money? HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout. So that means you can get an easy home-cooked meal on the table and more money back in your pocket. So head to HelloFresh.com slash 50Lion and use code 50Lion, that's 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Lion and use the code 50Lion, 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So you bring up a really good point you're talking about here with forcing turnovers. And there's one guy, I already previewed this game on my um, on my college football show that I do. And the one guy that I pinpointed that I think is the key to victory for Penn State is what they do to J.J. McCarthy. And he is, at times, a turnover machine. Now, he has improved. Like we're, We've seen a, a clear progression from last year to this year. He's played some really good games. But Purdue last week, 
really out of rhythm. There were a ton of throws that you see on film where he's throwing behind guys, he's throwing over guys. That touch has not always been there in his career. He he has these games where he's just off, but because he's playing Purdue, they don't have any issues. You know, that defense saves him, the run game saves him, and if he has a bad game, he can get carried by them. But this isn't going to happen against Penn State. You know, you can't get carried by your defense in your run game against Penn State because if you're making mistakes, Penn State's going to find ways to score points and capitalize on it, and you could be down in a hole. And J.J. McCarthy, as we saw last year against TCU, is a player at some times doesn't necessarily recover well in an effective manner to bounce back from those mistakes. I keep pinpointing and focusing on the way that he played against TCU and the, the pick six that he threw, the mistakes that he made in that game, if you can force him to play at that level, to be that version of J.J. McCarthy, you absolutely can win this football game. Because the rest of the roster, if you try to attack every other position group, it's just really well-rounded and well-coached. There's a singular guy that has made bad mistakes and has been off rhythm in multiple games in his career, and that guy is J.J. McCarthy. Careless quarterbacks kill programs and teams. Like that's like a philosophy that I go by when I'm evaluating quarterbacks. So like what you're saying is like, how do we make JJ McCarthy careless with the football, putting pressure on him and stopping the run? Because we've shown that he's, I mean, he gets a little bit happy fees, an athlete, he moves around a little bit in the backfield. And he's like, again, has that little bit of a gunslinger gene where he wants to fit him in, like fit balls into tight windows and things like that. And that's just something that you get with quarterbacks that have high skill set, right? So when that happens, to make them careless, I mean, we talk about the different blitzes, making sure Manny keeps them uh, unpredictable defenses, whether it's back in coverage, showing different things, because I think he can be tricked. None of these things happen, though, if we don't stop the run, because if Michigan's the type of team that they'll come out and run the ball 70 times if you do not stop it, and they can mm-hmm. score points by doing that. So if we come out and really take care of that, I mean, it's going to be a big day for Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, Kobe King, and all these guys up front to make sure that they're filling and playing gap sound defense from that from the linebacker position, covering the tight ends, to make sure that that front seven is really taken care of so that we can put the pressure on a J.J. McCarthy. Because I think once that happens, J.J. McCarthy versus the back seven at Penn State, lockdown you, shout out to those guys, I think the matchup goes to Penn State in a pretty clear uh, manner. I, I've been really just enamored by the secondary for Penn State, like there's a lot of guys. That, I was a big fan of Kalen King coming into the season when I did all my summer scouting and, and I graded all those guys. He was one of my top just rated prospects overall. There, there's not a lot of guys that you're willing to say this could be a top 15 pick, and he's he's still playing at that level. But he's not the only guy. You know, Cam Miller, Johnny Dixon. I, I was a really big fan of of Daquan Hardy, who had a really underrated game against Ohio State. He he didn't get talked about at all because Penn State lost, but you caught him a number of times just making all these really nice disruptions in the slot. And I think that he is somebody who could make a, a career for himself in the NFL being a high-quality slot defensive back. Very impressed by him. So that's a really good point here is not only sending pressure, but Penn State has such an advantage why this could really work out in their favor. That they can load the box, keep things really tight, play gap sound defense with extra players in the box – they're at an advantage way more than Ohio State is to play one-on-one on the outside with Michigan's receivers. They've got a decent group. Roman Wilson's a nice player, but 
they're not exactly a group that's going to beat you on every single rep. There's no Marvin Harrison Jr. out there that you have to no worry Maserati, about. No Maseratis out there. <laughs> <laughs> right. No Maserati Marv. But again, just to just to um to end that point though, it is a huge advantage that Penn State fans should be focusing on and and saying this secondary could really cause some problems for McCarthy because we can go one on one across the board if we need to. Yeah, it's like the gift of like the the perimeter players, man. Like when you take care of things up front, your back in or your skill players can really start to show their show their worth. The same thing on the offensive side for Drew. Like the way they were running the ball with Katron Allen really opens up the areas on the outside for him to show his talents. And just the, uh, the adverse or the reverse thing needs to happen on the defense, where Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, those guys really just maintaining. Zane Durant maintaining that those running lanes and making sure that the, the run game is taken care of so that we can get into pressure situations, get into those third and eights, third and twelves, like just a longer distance where we know that he has to throw the ball because we have been opportunistic on defense. And I can't echo more of what you said where like they they go on hard. He's one of one of my favorite players, just in terms of understanding the skill level it takes to play a nickel position. I don't think the layman fan really understands how hard that position is and all the different things that they need to do, whether it's tackling from the uh, run gap responsibility, having um, full full offensive uh, responsibilities, catching receivers coming from across the field, and as a punt returner. I mean, he's returned two punts, one called back from a punt, and he should have three. And so just having that ability to create pressure on third down, stop their top receiver on third down, and then to be able to return kicks on fourth down from a punt returner standpoint, that is a guy that plays on Sundays in the NFL in that nickel position, which has become, uh, I mean, a very valuable position in the NFL. It was the position I played uh, when I played in the NFL, and it was like the league was just transitioning. I played in the NFC West, so we played a lot of teams where I played 60 or 70 snaps being a third corner. And so now that guys are getting drafted at that nickel position, yeah, you're talking about a bona fide um, nickelback in Daquan Harder. Yeah, that, that's a... You bring up a really good point with that because it's a lot of people just assume short corner he's going to go play in the slot, but the the misconception is the guy's got to be able to tackle. And Daquan Hardy does a really good job of that. He's got to be able to come downhill and uh, get off of blocks and, and make plays against the run. Otherwise, that guy's not very useful. He ends up getting beat and running backs blow past him if he's the last man uh, defending in that position. So again, Hardy's impact is something that I just I don't see a lot of people talking about, and I, I was really in love with his game and he could play a really important part to this game because Michigan's got two really talented tight ends as well that he might find himself in situations of covering them or going up against them in the run. Um, specifically those guys that I'm talking about, AJ Barner, Colston Loveland, very, very talented athletic tight ends that can be problems for, uh, for that defense. But again, overall, just to reiterate that point, it's, it's a huge advantage. This defense matches up really well against this Michigan offense. And I don't think many people are talking about that because all we've discussed, one, is the scandal, and then two, how good Michigan is. Everybody has spent already the beginning of this week saying Michigan's just going to roll, and they're going to roll in against Ohio State. But if we're talking pure matchup on matchup, they have the guys at the right positions to cause problems. And if they get Chop Robinson back, that's an even bigger boost for this team. No, I mean, it's going to be a, a pretty exciting game because there's a lot of interesting matchups. Even when you bring up the tight ends, which I love, just for, I mean, on both sides, I think it's going to be critical for the aces of Penn State to make plays against um, the Michigan linebackers for Drew Aller's sake. And on the flip side, Curtis Jacobs and um, 
Abdul Carter and all those guys on defense, like they have to be sound and really cover those tight ends as well, because like that opens up running lanes for the defense. Like sometimes that tight end running back run pass type situation really puts linebackers in a blender when you get cross routes coming above them and not reading your keys, right? Because it's a super physical game and you have tight ends that can make that happen. So I think the same threats that hold against Michigan from the tight end linebackers position holds true to Penn State. I do think they have, uh, I mean, because they have also a, a nice nickelback in Mike Sanistro um, from Michigan, uh, from Everett, Massachusetts. Him and, uh, it's a funny story, him and Lewis Sane, who got drafted, they were coming out of high school together. So we were recruiting those two together. And I remember just... Uh, at the same time, Day Day was getting, Daquan Hardy was getting recruited and just them being super dynamic, nickel athlete type of players. So like it's a lot of mirrored situations. I think Penn State just has more depth on the back end um, than Michigan. But up front, I mean, Michigan's elite. So it comes down to the privilege to play to your strengths. That's what it comes down to football, making sure you take care of the things that might be trouble areas so that you can really peacock and show your true talents we kind of touched on this earlier but didn't really take this angle i also think and and my co-host brought this up yesterday when we were doing our show talking about this that's it really important aspect of this game is that penn state's already been battle tested they've already been through that difficult hurdle of having to play against Ohio State. And I think that as we've sit here and illustrated and talked about all the things that Penn State can do and needs to do to do to win this game, they have a map now to learn from their mistakes. The the biggest way to succeed is analyzing your failures and then correcting them. They're in a huge advantage in my in my eyes of having that as well. And the fact that again, Michigan has not played anyone. Michigan has not been tested to this point. We again, we know that they're good. We know that they are freakishly talented and their experience because all these guys came back. They're still a really good football team and they deserve to be ranked at two or three where they've been put up until this point. But that advantage I really see is going to be a defining factor. And that's kind of like the last thing that I'm really, really leaning on why I think that Penn State has a legitimate shot because they have been tested. That's a great point. And something I don't think I've given much credence to either. Like Penn State has won some pretty good games. We look back at the West Virginia game. Going into the season, it was like, oh, that's a trash game. But as the season progressed, we're like, oh, West Virginia is a little bit better than we thought. The Iowa game. Then we, literally, the Ohio State game was the one where it was just like, every, the sky's falling, everything's terrible. But when you wrap it up and like, like zoom out a little bit from the macro, we have been battle tested. Had a little poop in the bed against a, a top tier team. So if we get that out of the way, yes, yeah, been battle tested. So we see what it's like to play against a top team and play bad. And we played it prime time and, and played well. So having that, I think is a great advantage that you pointed out against Michigan, because I mean, being battle tested is nothing to take lightly. Like you have to have competitive endurance in football. And sometimes when you're introduced to it, it can go one of two ways or a 50% chance if you haven't seen it. At least you don't know how you're going to perform. And like, I don't think I really, like I realized Michigan hasn't played any top teams. We just kind of leaned into how much everyone's talked about how talented and good they are. Now, last thing I want to focus on before we, we wrap here, Justin, I, I know that a lot of times for, for teams that when we're kind of getting to these final weeks, um, a lot of fans will be like, let's just, one game at a time. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. But if Penn State wins this game, do you think that there is 
a legitimate shot for them to make it into the college football playoff. Like I, I will go as far as to say it actually might be really advantageous for Penn State to win this game and maybe not play in the Big Ten championship game. I don't know what what that tiebreaker looks like because I think you'd have across the board, you'd have three, you could theoretically have three teams if Michigan beats Ohio State with one loss in in that side of the Big Ten. So do you think that there is a, a legitimate possibility that if they win this football game that that is enough to push their way into the college football playoff or do you think that they might need a little bit of help? I think that ultimately they would need a little bit of help, but I think going on their resume, beating Michigan the way Michigan has been viewed would be a great dividend to them. I mean, a great benefit just on how the season has gone and I mean, attention that Michigan has gotten and a, like the consensus of how mi good Michigan is. Um, so with that being said, I, I think it's an outside shot, but we still would probably need other things to happen, some losses across the country to continue to sneak up in there because we, the way it looked against Ohio State on a national scene, I think will have a lingering taste in mm. um, the casual fans' mouth when they're just looking, or even we say a casual fan, but I think I think the people that select the college football playoffs are casual fans. But <laughs> <laughs> they read a lot of box scores, that's for sure. Yeah, saying, so I think they're casual, so to that extent, I think it hurts them a little bit in that standpoint. So it will need some help, but it should close the gap a little bit. Having said that, five six looking right. Up. It's it's a really interesting debate to be had because, I, and I hate doing the whole, well, if so and so beats so and so, then this, 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 and this can happen. But just from like a, a broad view, if Ohio State beats Michigan, I, I think that realistically, Penn State's technically kind of out of it. They're 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 out of the possibility of getting to the Big Ten championship game. That is mm -hmm. because if Ohio State ends up going on to beat Michigan, they're gonna go. If Michigan goes on to beat Ohio State, like where do these these tiebreakers end up lying? But I think it's certainly po possible, and the main reason why I think that it, it's definitely possible if they win this game, they have got a really good signature win over a, likely a top ten team, but most importantly, a close loss to another top ten team. And if we look at all these other conferences, the SEC is in a position to eat itself up. I don't think a two loss Alabama team is worth sending. I think that the Pac-12 could eat itself up. And right now, we've already seen the Big 12 is the, the most blatant of all these conferences that is just beating up on themselves. These kind of second-tier teams are beating up the teams that are we thought were going to be in that college football playoff conversation. So Penn State might be in a really good position. They just got to win this football game, and they could edge their way in as that that fourth team. Control the controllables, man. One and no. That's all I would say. Because you're completely right. Again, once right. you start chasing ghosts of who wins here, this, that. I mean, now we got to start putting some money on it. So looking at the lines. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time I go there. But when it's focused on the team and what they can control, man, one and no. Making sure they take care of this stuff. Like, fill those gaps. Don't worry about the playoffs. Make sure those gaps are taking control, taking, uh, control of this week. Well, Michigan-Penn State is going to be an exciting game. Folks, thank you for tuning in to State of State. Another great episode. Justin, appreciate you having me. I'm sure that at another point I'll maybe hop in and, and guest host again. But this was great getting to catch up with you, talk about this game, and uh, looking forward to see how Penn State plays. Let's go.
Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.